Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. Um, I have had the privilege of coming to Portland over a number of years, since I think it was about 2007, to minister, to teach on the prophetic, to teach on dream interpretation. And um, we have, I've, I've prayed, friends have prayed that this night would happen, that this day would happen, that this weekend would happen. And I cannot even tell you how wonderful it has been so far. And I'm super excited to be here with you tonight too. Um, I want to give you just a little bit of kind of background in my own sort of story about dreams and dream interpretation. Um, and I, I'll just say this. I, I don't know how many of you came tonight knowing that we were to talk about dreams, but um, I fully recognize, like, this isn't what we talk about in church, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm going to church and we're talking about dreams. Like, how weird is that? And I recognize it might be weird for some of you um, because it's not something that we necessarily really pay a lot of attention to. So I'm just going to ask you to hear me out. There's going to be lo loads of scripture as we um, are together tonight. But I first want to start out with just some testimony. One of the ways that God has um, really unique to, uniquely gifted me is to teach both from the word and also from testimony. So my own testimony about dreams is that from a little girl I've dreamt and I've always remembered my dreams and um, around age 10 11 I just started being able to interpret my dreams and I would wake up in the middle in the in the morning and I would go down to the breakfast table and I would say to my mom mom I had this dream last night and I think maybe God is talking to me and even though my mother nor I came from a Christian tradition that acknowledged dreams or understood them or talked about them, amazingly, she would just look at me and she would listen to the dream and she would listen to my interpretation and she would just be like, you know what? I think you're right. I think God's talking to you. And so I just grew up kind of realize, thinking, believing that it was just normal. I didn't know that it was like this strange thing for some people. Well, as I grew in the Holy Spirit, as I grew closer to Jesus, my dreams started becoming incredibly prolific. And where I once could readily understand dreams, now I was at a point where I couldn't. And so I'm really grateful that that happened because I believe that actually God lifted off of me my ability to interpret because he wanted me to study the word. He wanted me to know, okay, let's ground you in the scripture as to why it is that I do this, right? So I went to the Word. I also went to these amazing um, courses by Streams Ministries. They were authored by John Paul Jackson. He's no longer with us. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> He's no longer with us. He's gone to be with the Lord, but he was a real pioneer in dream interpretation. And, um, and he's definitely my spiritual father in these things. And as I went to these courses, I, here's what it was amazing. I went because I wanted just to understand my own dreams. That was the only reason that I went. And what was amazing is as I went there, I, I realized a couple of things. Number one, that God didn't want me to just understand my own dreams, that he actually wanted me to be able to interpret for other people, people who are brothers and sisters in the Lord, but also people who don't know him. <laughs> And I heard these amazing testimonies about how people were going out to Barnes and Noble and coffee houses and festivals and interpreting dreams and they were seeing these amazing, amazing things happen with people. And when I started hearing those stories, I was like, oh my gosh, I wanna do that. But here's the other thing. I expected from that class to be able to understand dreams. What I didn't expect, but what happened, is that as I learned the language of dreams, which is the language of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> all of a sudden, all the other forms of revelation started to open up to me. So when I started seeing pictures, I could un I, or 
well, I had been seeing pictures for a while, but now all of a sudden, the mental images that I saw started to make sense. Um, how many of you have had the experience where you go to a movie and you're watching the movie and you're like, gosh, I feel like God's talking to me. And all of a sudden, that started making sense to me. I could interpret the scenes and I understood what God was saying. Or how many of you had the experience where you're like going about your daily life and the circumstances of your life, you're like, I feel like God has a message for me through this, you know? And I started to be able to interpret that. And the reason why I want to introduce this to you is because some of you are sitting there and you're like, gosh, I don't dream, Right? But the reality is, it's just a matter of remembering them. We all dream, it's just a matter of remembering. But I want you to know that even if you don't remember your dreams, there's value in learning the language of the Spirit. So, to start tonight in the Word, I wanna take us to Job 33, 14 to 17, if you would open the Bible with me. For God may speak in one way or another. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds, he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction in order to turn man from his deed and conceal pride from man. And I don't have this verse up there, but I'm gonna go on to verse 18. He keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. Now we're gonna come back to this in just a minute. Um, but for sure, this says that God speaks in dreams. He speaks in visions at night. And truth of the matter is, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he did this then, he's doing it now, and he's going to keep on doing it. And the awesome thing is he doesn't just do this with those of us who know him. He also does it with people who don't. So I want to share a story. Uh, this is actually from uh, when, I, when I went to that class, the first Dreams class. This is back in 2002. I heard about an outreach um, that a Dreams group of people were going to go to the Sundance Film Festival in Park City, Utah. And I could just feel the Holy Spirit like, you need to go. So I went. And the very first dream that I interpreted out in a coffee house was absolutely extraordinary. This is what we did. We went to Starbucks. Um, sat down, had a coffee, hung out with people, I hung out with you know, each other as just as friends, and we were asking the Holy Spirit as we're hanging out, Holy Spirit, would you highlight to us someone who's had a dream? And as soon as we felt like that, the Holy Spirit had done that, I walked over and I said, hey, I know this is a bit strange, but we, you know, a group of us are here, we've studied dreams, and we came here to practice, do you have a dream that we could practice on? And he looked at me, he goes, actually, yeah, I'm a really vivid dreamer. So he and his girlfriend come over, sit at our table, and he starts giving dream after dream after dream, and they're really amazing dreams, really inventive dreams, um, and wonderfully creative, and there's great conversation happening, but there isn't really spiritual conversation just yet, and that's what we're obviously we're really hoping for. So as he's sharing these dreams, I'm praying, Father, would you bring to his mind, you know, one of those dreams that are from you that really reveal who you are. And it seemed like we were coming just to the end of our conversation. He gets up from the table, and you could almost see, like, just, I don't know if it was an angel or just how it happened, but it was like somehow something came to his spirit and his heart. And he sits back down, and uh, he looks at us. He said, you know, I have another dream, and uh, it's, it's, it's really been with me, and I, would you mind just doing one more dream? And we were like, absolutely, because as soon as he said it, I was like, I had a feeling this is the one we were waiting for. Here's his dream. So in my dream, I go to heaven, and I was like, yes! 
<laughs> and he said, and I go to heaven, and he said, and when I go to heaven, I see the most incredible mansion. And he goes, I can't even speak to it in English words because what I saw is just beyond anything I've ever seen. And he goes, I wouldn't do it justice. And as he's saying that to me, internally I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I know what that is. <laughs> you know? And I'm really excited. But then he says this, and then I saw a dairy cow, and then I saw a disco ball. What does that mean? And now I was deflated because I had no clue. And inside I start praying emergency prayers, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, help me interpret this dream. But I start with what I know. And I just looked at him and I said, you know what? I said, did you know that there are sacred scriptures that are written about mansions that are in heaven? And he just had like zero cognizance. Do you know what I mean? He just was like, no. You could just say he had no cognition about things like that. And I said, yeah. I said, I said the scriptures talk about mansions that are in heaven and they're prepared for people who are going to go there. And my sense is that you saw one of them and you could see it like just kind of hit him. And then I'm like, emergency tongues inside. Please, Jesus, please, Jesus, please, Jesus. And all of a sudden I hear God say to me one of the strangest things I've ever heard him say. And he said this, he loves cheese. And all of a sudden, I knew what the dairy cow was about. And I look at this guy and I said, do you like cheese? And his girlfriend whacks him on the chest and she goes, oh my gosh, it's like a food group to him. <laughs> and I said, that dairy cow is God's very strange way of letting you know that everything you love to eat is in heaven. Did you know that there are scriptures that are written about, about a banquet feast that's there? He said, nope. And I said, yeah, and it's prepared for those of us who go. And then all of a sudden, I just knew what the disco ball was about. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? It's going to be a party. <laughs> and he starts laughing, but at the same time, a tear had been forming in his eye, and it now started going down his cheek, and he wiped it away. And he knew it touched his spirit. And then I heard the Lord say to me, he's been asking whether or not I exist. He's been asking whether or not heaven is real. Tell him yes to both questions. And so I said, have you been asking whether or not God exists? And he said, yeah, I have. Have you been asking whether or not heaven is real? And he said, yeah, I have. And I said, well, this is God's very strange way of letting you know yes to both questions. And now he's like just impacted, you know. And I looked at him and I said, I don't know what questions you have about God, but what I do know is this. He wants to answer them. So whatever questions you have on your heart, keep asking. And my sense is he's going to keep revealing things to you through your dreams. And he stood up and he grabbed my hands in his hands and he looked me straight in the eye and he said, you will never know what you did tonight. But I want you to know that I know that I came here so that I would meet you so that you could interpret my dream and I'm going to keep asking the questions. Awesome. Isn't it? Isn't it awesome? Now, I love dreams from God, but not all dreams are from God. You know, not all dreams are from God. There are different sources for dreams. And I've had other experiences. Actually, let me advance this next slide for those of you who are here. I know those of you who hear it on a podcast won't see it, but you know, there's this question are all dreams from God? No. Not all dreams are from God. The scriptures teach us that um, we can have dreams that come from God. We can have dreams that come from the enemy. We can have dreams that come from our own soul. 
So I obviously just read to you the passage from Job 33, but when you look at Zechariah, Zechariah tells us that they're false dreams. Who do, where do false dream things come from? The enemy. The enemy. <laughs> All right? And then you look at Jude, and it very clearly talks about just the soul, that you can actually have dreams that come from the soul. So not all dreams are from God, but here's what I found. That regardless of source, the Holy Spirit has an interpretation. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit can give us the interpretation. So let me tell you another quick story. I'm in England. Um, I've been asked, I was actually living in the United States at the time, someone um, flew me over to England, if you can believe it or not, to do a dream party for her friends. <laughs> and she wanted to invite all her friends who were interested in spirituality but didn't want to go to church. And uh, she invited them, we had a party to start with, just hung out, got to know each other, and then we all sat down, and I did a little blurb on dreams, and I said, hey, anybody have a dream that they want to interpret? interpret it? And this was the first dream of the night. I'll call this woman Emma. And she said this, um, I'm in a, was in a terrible marriage, a very, very, very painful marriage. And I'm in the process of getting divorced. And she said, since we separated, I've had a recurring dream and this is my dream. In my dream, I look in the mirror. And when I look in the mirror, I notice that my husband has bitten out half of my face and all of the flesh is torn away and I look hideous and I hate myself. I cannot recognize myself in the mirror, and I don't want to look at myself, and I cannot believe that I let my husband do this to me. That's the end of my dream. Now, is that a God dream? <laughs> no. That's the enemy, right? And as she's giving me this dream, I'm seeking the Holy Spirit for an interpretation. I'm asking him to help me understand, first of all, what the dream means, but also how he wants me to encourage her, because he doesn't want to leave her in that place, right? That's not his heart for her. And so this is what I said. I said, Emma, this dream is about you. And the dream is revealing that there were things that happened in your marriage that did pretty hard stuff to your identity. <laughs> there were things that your husband spoke, there were things that your husband did, and it just ate away at your identity. But I want you to know that even though right now when you're looking in the mirror, you can't recognize yourself, you don't even like what you see, I want you to know that as you seek the healing that is available for you, that your identity is going to be restored. That is not the end of the story. And I believe that the reason the dream was allowed so that you could give it tonight and you could hear what the Creator has for you instead. And as I said that, she started crying, and I could tell she didn't want to talk about it anymore. So I just left it, and we moved on. But I want to present that story to you because what I find in the church is that, first of all, not everybody values dreams, but those that value dreams only want to pay attention to the ones that come from God. And they want to kind of tuck those ones away that are not so pleasant, you know, somewhere where they don't look at them. But the truth of the matter is the Holy Spirit can help us with them. The Holy Spirit can help us understand so that we get God's heart on them. So is it good to interpret all three kinds of dreams? I would absolutely say yes. Hopefully it's very clear to you as to why you want to interpret the dreams from God. But let's talk about the ones that come from the enemy. The reason that you want to understand your dreams, meaning you want to ask the Holy Spirit about the ones that the enemy has given, is because you want to understand what his plan is from the Holy Spirit because it's going to be counter to what God has for your life. 
And when you understand it, you can ask the Holy Spirit, hey, this is what the enemy wants to do. What do you say about it? And what can I choose differently? What is it that is your answer to the enemy's plans? And he can give that to you. Here's the other thing that's amazing about dreams is that dreams are an aspect of prophetic ministry. So when we receive an interpretation to a dream from the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to prophesy God's plan into their lives. And hopefully that's been illustrated by the examples that I've already given. It's amazing when we hear from the Holy Spirit for the interpretation of a dream, what can be unlocked in the heart of the dreamer that turns them towards him. So, even though this is the case, and even though um, there are loads, I could give you loads of testimonies, here's what I've discovered, that for the most part in the church, we've lost our appreciation of dreams. And yet dreams are incredibly significant to God. Now I'm gonna get into the word in just a minute here to share with you about that significance, but first I wanna share with you, well why is it that I say that we've lost our appreciation for dreams? I've been interpreting dreams since 2002, very, very regularly. And here's what I found, even in churches that really value the Holy Spirit, even in churches that move in the prophetic, even in churches that believe in, you know, God speaks in dreams still, I'll walk around and I'll hear someone say, oh gosh, I had the strangest dream last night. It must have been the pizza I ate. And because they can't understand it, they just kind of explain it away. I can't understand. And so instead of thinking, well, gosh, the scripture says all interpretations belong to God. Maybe I should go to him for an understanding. They just completely dismiss it. Here's the other reason how I've seen that we've lost an appreciation. Um, we have the privilege, my husband and I lead outreaches in a lot of different places, coffee houses, new age festivals, uh, you know, all kinds of creative festivals, film festivals. And um, when we go there, and when we interpret a dream, and when people find out that we are followers of Jesus, often what they will say to us is this, I didn't know that Christians could interpret dreams. When we prophesy over them, I didn't know that Christians could hear God, which is so sad, so sad. And what I've understood is that for the most part, we've kept that in-house <laughs> where we're doing it. We haven't yet gone out and we're not known for that. And yet, when you look in the scriptures, we're just about to get there. When you look in the word, you see Joseph and Daniel. They were the ones that people went to to understand their dreams. Why? Because they had the spirit of God. We should be known for being able to interpret dreams. <laughs> we should be known <laughs> that people, when they have a dream, oh gosh, that person, they've got the spirit of God. I bet you they know how to interpret this dream. The other reason that I say that is because at these same festivals where we go to, when there are other, usually there are other Christian booths there, and when they come up and you know, they see that we're actually interpreting dreams, they'll say things to me like, are you saved? And I'll say, yeah. Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Yes. Do you believe that he died on the cross for your sins? Yes. Do you believe and have you confessed with your mouth? And literally, they will just go on and on and on because they are certain that I am not saved because I'm interpreting dreams, which is unbelievable to me. Because when we turn to the scriptures, we find incredible examples. Now, I can't give you everything tonight that the Old Testament says and the New Testament says about dreams, but what I can do is introduce some concepts. When you look in the Old Testament, God used the interpretation of dreams to position Joseph and Daniel in favor with pagan kings. 
And as a result of those interpretations, they rose to prominence. And not only that, God, God did exactly as what they prophesied through the interpretation of the dreams. There's, that's incredibly significant. Entire nations were changed as a result of those interpretations of the dreams. So what else do I know? He gave Gideon the encouragement he needed to overcome the Midianites. So how many of you, you know, been in church since you were little and you hear about Gideon and the 300 and, you know, all that he did, which is fantastic. Well, you know what? When he was encouraged to do that, God told him that he was going to win the battle. And yet he said, I know you're afraid. Go down to the camp and listen to a dream. And as a result of hearing the dream and its interpretation, Gideon got the faith that he needed in order to do what God said. And then we go to the New Testament. And in the New Testament, oh my gosh, do we have extraordinary things that happen with dreams. Jesus' life, it's amazing. Mary has had a visitation from the angel of the Lord. And she's been asked whether or not she's willing to give birth to Jesus. She says yes, she's impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Now, I've often wondered, I've, you know, I, I don't know about you, but when I read the word, I try to put myself in the word and, like, experience it and see, like, gosh, what would this have been like? And several times I've looked at that passage and I'm like, can you imagine being Joseph? Can you imagine Mary coming to you? She's, theologians say she's around 13 to 14 years old. And she comes, you know, you're Joseph, and she comes to you and says, hey, Joseph, last night an angel visited me, and now I'm pregnant. Because <laughs> that's what happened. Right? And Joseph is freaked out. And Joseph is like, ah, you know, I'm going to divorce her quietly because this isn't right. This isn't kosher. And God, <laughs> God comes in a dream. God comes in a dream. And he says, what's happened to Mary is of my spirit. And he tells him to marry her. Now, here's what's amazing about this. What's amazing about this is God had chosen Joseph to be the natural father, adopted father, of Jesus so that he would have the right person to help him grow in stature and in favor with God and man. He saw to it that Joseph, who he had chosen, would say yes to the call. And then we go on in the story of Jesus, and we know that the wise men, they saw this light, right? And they know that they're going to go. They've told Herod what they're going to do. Herod's not happy. He's jealous. He says, go figure out what's going on. Come back and report to me. The wise men go, and they meet Jesus, and they give him all those gifts, and it's extraordinary what happens. And then, in the middle of the night, they receive instruction. Don't go report this to Herod. So here we have God safeguarding the life of Jesus, why is it important that they don't go report to Herod? Because Herod's going to do what? He's going to kill. He wants to kill Jesus, right? So they don't go and report. And not only that, God gives another dream to Joseph because he knows what Herod is going to do. And he says, go and flee to Egypt and settle there and until I tell you to come back. So God is safeguarding the life of Jesus through a dream, <laughs> Then Joseph is in Egypt, and as he's there, God has told him to wait until he hears again. He waits. God comes again in a dream, and he says, all right, Joseph, now it's time. Go settle in Nazareth. Go settle in Galilee. And they go, and they settle to Naz in Nazareth. So as a result of another dream, they go back, and not only do they respond to God having safeguarded the life of Jesus, now God has seen to it that prophecy, biblical prophecy, is fulfilled. <laughs> 
through an interpretation of a dream. If this doesn't communicate how important dreams are to God, I don't know what does. Dreams are incredibly significant to God. So let's go back to this verse, Job 33, 14 to 17. For God speaks in a dream or a vision of the night. Now how many of you have had the sense that everything that happens at night is a dream? Because that was me. If you have a dream, that it's a dream. Well, this scripture says not everything that happens at night is a dream. This says you can have dreams and you can have visions. Well, the biblical difference between dreams and visions, dreams are highly metaphorical. Visions, while they might require interpretation, they point to literal events. So God speaks in both dreams and visions. How many of you have had the experience where you have a dream at night, what you thought was a dream at night, but then you lived out in real life exactly as you saw it in the dream? You had a vision. God showed you at night what was going to happen. He prepared you for it. For what reason, I don't know, but he knows. He speaks in dreams and visions at night, yet man does not perceive it. How many of you woken up in the morning and you're like, oh gosh, I had a really powerful dream and I think it means something, but I don't know what it means. Man does not perceive it. How many of you have had the experience where you've had a dream um, or you know you've had a dream, but you wake up in the morning, you have no recollection of it, but you know you had a dream? Man does not perceive it. Now again, not everything at night that you receive in dreams comes from God, but the ones that do, here's what's happening. When you fall asleep, God is putting instruction into your spirit. How incredible is that? That he so cares about you, that he wants to put his word, his seed, his ideas, his plans into your spirit because he wants you to follow his plan. Because as we go on, what does it say? Not only does he seal the instruction, but he is turning you from your deed. If he's turning you from your deed, whose deed is he turning to? His. He's turning you from your deed to his deed. That's what he does at night when he gives us dreams. And some of you in here, I know, have had dreams from, you know, since you were little. And some of you have had significant dreams and you're like, why would God give me? You, you, you believe, you know, that it's a dream from God, but you're like, why would God give me a dream 20 years ago that I've yet to understand? This is the answer. <laughs> he gave it to you, because it, let me back up. God is perfect, right? <laughs> and he's perfect in his timing. He's perfect in everything he does. So when he gives you a dream, even if you don't understand it, he's given it to you because he knows that you need it in that moment to prepare your spirit for what's about to come, even if your mind doesn't get it. He's putting his instruction inside of you so that you would be turned to his path, and I find that absolutely extraordinary. Extraordinary. So the word teaches us that God speaks in dreams. And you know what? One of my favorite theologian, St. Thomas Aquinas, um, said this. Now, this is after he's written 21 volumes of books. In total, they're called Summa Theologica. What that means in Latin is a sum of all theology. So I can't even imagine how many hours of research and diligence and prayer he put into writing 21 volumes of books, but I know that it was a lot. And here's what happens. He has a visionary experience that is so powerful that he writes these words. I can do no more. Such secrets have been revealed to me that all I have written now 
appears of little value. All that I've written now appears of little value. That speaks to the power of dreams. Now, let's look at our life. Our life is made up of 24 hours, right? On average, we should sleep, if we're getting good sleep, eight hours a night. Now, I know some of you are like, whatever, I get five. You know? <laughs> but on average, a human's supposed to sleep eight hours a night, a third of our day. I'll never forget when I first heard John Paul say this. So, God speaks at night. He wants the night season to be rich for us. If we don't pay attention to it, by age 66, if we sleep a third of our life, we have lost out on the possibility of 22 years of revelation. That is very intense. <laughs> that is very intense. Now, in case that causes any of you distress, because <laughs> you've never paid attention to your dreams, know this. God is a God who restores the years that the locusts have eaten. And even if you've never paid attention to your dreams, he can catch you up. <laughs> yeah? He can catch you up. You can start to value them now. He'll make up. He'll restore the time that's been lost that you haven't been paying attention to them. So let's look at the scriptures for why he gives us dreams. So we're going to look at the, the, the you know, just the purpose and the function of dreams in scripture. Well, he gives them to warn us. He warned us about possible sin to keep us from doing it. So in Genesis 20, verse 3, we have this story where um, Sarah has gone with Abimelech, and Abimelech does not know that she is married. And God, in a dream, reveals to Abimelech that she is married because Abimelech's intention is that he's going to sleep with her. And he receives a warning, uh-uh, don't do this. Don't do this. Let me just say this. When it comes to warnings and dreams, we need to ask the Lord to make us pliable and soft to his will. <laughs> because he gives us warnings often about things that we want, things that we desire, things that we're moving towards, and he's like, no. So we want, as we approach our dream life, Father, would you make me pliable to your will? And the things that are in me that aren't in alignment with your will, would you cause my heart to come into agreement with them? He also gives us dreams to prophesy his will. In Genesis 28, Jacob has a dream about a ladder and angels descending and ascending on it. And he wakes up and God speaks to him that the land that he's lying on would be his and his descendants and that all people would be blessed through them. So he uses dreams to prophesy his will. He also uses dreams to show us the future and to prepare us for it. And we see this in Genesis 37, with Joseph has a dream about the sheaves of wheat bowing down to him. We see it, and that is his brothers, and showing that he's going to eventually rule over them. We see it in Genesis 40 with the butler and the baker's dreams. We see it in Genesis 41 and 42 with Pharaoh's dreams about Egypt. And we see it in Daniel 2 and Daniel 4 about Nebuchadnezzar's dreams about his future. He shows us the future sometimes to prepare us for it. Now I want to go back to a quick testimony. Um, I am 47 years old. I got married when I was 40. Uh, if you had asked me when I was age 15 what I wanted to do with my life, I would have told you I want to be married by the time I'm 22, I want to have five children by the time I am 30, and I want to be a wife and I want to be a mom. That is what I wanted for my life. God had a different plan. <laughs> God had a different plan. And... Um, when I was age 27, I asked the Lord if he would hide me until he was ready to bring my husband into my life. And the reason why I did that is because I'd been in and out of a few relationships, I'd been incredibly hurt, and I just didn't want it anymore. 
and I really wanted the focus of my life to be him. Now, I'll be honest with you, had I known that I wasn't gonna get married till 40, I don't know that I would've prayed that prayer. <laughs> because for 12 years, from age 27 to 39, until I met my husband, no one was interested in me. I did not go on a single date, no one noticed me, no one asked me out. I was absolutely hidden. So, a number of years into this, um, I'm, you know, for the most part, praise the Lord. For the most part, I was really content about being single, and God really blessed me with that. But, you know, with any, as with anyone who wants to be married, that wasn't always the case. And I came to age, you know, 35, and I was like, okay, God, I'm approaching 40, and everybody says it's nearly impossible to find someone, and all that stuff is happening in my head, right, that the world tells us. And I'm, you know, unsettled, and I'm asking him, please, would you speak to me about this? And one of the things that I was concerned about was like, oh, I must need inner healing, and that's why it's not happening, and I'm not ready, blah, blah, blah. So I have this dream. And in this dream, I'm at the front of the church, and I'm in my wedding dress. And my husband is at the back of the church, which is strange, right? Because it should be opposite, and I noticed that right away. I'm at the front, he's at the back. Everything, I know in the dream, everything for our wedding is prepared. I know all the food is ready, all the decorations are there, I know everything is prepared. And in the dream, I'm like, why is my wedding not starting? And I'm irritated. And as I look out, I realize these are not people who were invited to the wedding, these are all people who I'm supposed to teach. And one by one by one, it felt like about, I don't know, 400 people in the room. They start raising their hands, and they're all asking me questions about prophetic evangelism and dreams, which is great, but internally, I'm not happy because <laughs> I know that I have to answer all of their questions <laughs> before I can get married. So inside, I am seriously annoyed, <laughs> and I know it because I'm lucid dreaming. And so I'm asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, I know that I'm annoyed, but I know that you want to bless these people. Please, would you just help me to hear you? And so I'm answering all these questions, and what was so amazing is I could feel the grace of God coming out of me as I was teaching and as I was answering the questions. Then one person at the end of all the questions says this, how old are you? And remember, I'm lucid dreaming. I answer back, I'm 37. And now I'm really mad, because I know that I'm 35. And I'm like, are you kidding me, God? I have to wait two more years until I'm good, married? <laughs> Dream goes on. And after all the questions are answered, this amazing thing happens. I see a carriage coming from the back of the church. Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> Strange dreams. Philip Seymour Hoffman and my uncle, bring in this diamond-encrusted carriage, and I know that it's mine, okay? And as I'm in the dream, I know what God is speaking to me. First of all, he's telling me, your wedding is not being delayed because you're not ready. Your wedding is being delayed because I have something else for you right now that's more important. I have something else for you to do. And I saw that he was going to move through me with anointing. I saw that the Holy Spirit was going to pour through me. And I also knew that what he was saying was, guess what? There's great things coming to you. What's a carriage? In the scriptures, we see a chariot, right? Elijah going up to heaven in a chariot. That's what it was saying, that I was going to go into greater places of revelation as I answered the call of God on my life. And guess what? It was diamond encrusted because it was going to reflect the light of God. Why was it Philip Seymour Hoffman? because I was gonna see more. <laughs> there was more for me to see. 
Why was it my uncle? Because my uncle is into new age, into the new age, and because God was saying to me, the things that you do in reaching out to the new age with what I've given you in prophecy and dreams, there's going to be a gift that comes to the community to you. Yeah? And I knew that. Now, I can't say that my heart was in perfect alignment with it, but what I knew was this, that he was showing me the future to prepare me for it. Now, if you're following the story, you know I didn't get married until I was 40, right? So wait a second. In the dream, it was 37. What about that? So in life, as I get to 37, I'm all excited. I'm like, whew, I'm getting married this year, you know? <laughs> Where is he? <laughs> 37 came and went, mm, didn't get married. And I had to go to God. And I go back to the dream. And as I go back to the dream, I realize, oh my gosh, he wasn't telling me that I was going to get married at 37. He was telling me I would still be waiting at 37. And oh my gosh, was that hard to hear? But what I also knew was this, there was purpose. <laughs> there was a purpose that he had for me being single. And if I said yes to it, I could be at peace. And that is what he gave me. So he gives us dreams to show us the future and to prepare us for it. He also gives us dreams to encounter us in a personal way. We see in 1 Kings 3 that um, he has this incredible encounter with Solomon where he's asking him, what do you want? And Solomon says, I want wisdom. And then we go to Gideon, which I already mentioned. He gives us encouragement in our dreams in Judges 7. And then we go to Matthew 1, which I already said. He speaks things to our rational mind that we don't understand, that he bypasses our rational mind mind so that he speaks to our spirit and that's exactly what happened with Joseph in Matthew 1. He also will give us dreams sometimes to give us clear direction. Now while a lot of your dreams are going to be metaphorical like the, some of the stories that I've just shared, there are times when he's going to come into your dreams and he's going to say do this, do that, to give us clear direction. Okay, so if God speaks like this, if God has all these purposes for dreams, why does he sometimes make them so strange? <laughs> Why are they enigmatic? Why are they irrational sometimes? Why are they illogical? Why isn't it that it isn't just always clear direction? I believe that the answer is found in Proverbs 25, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is the glory of kings to search out the matter. Now, sometimes God speaks very, very clearly to us, and when he does, it's wonderful. But sometimes he speaks in hidden ways, and not just in dreams, by the way, and other forms of revelation. But the reason why he speaks in hidden ways isn't because he doesn't want us to get it. It's because he wants to cause us to search him out. God is more concerned about you growing in intimacy with him than he is in anything else in anything else. So he's going to speak sometimes so that you don't get it because he wants you to pursue him for understanding. He is more, he cares more about that relational time than he does in anything else. And sometimes it takes a while to understand your dreams because he so values that time with us where we're seeking him. But here's what's awesome. Even though he speaks in hidden ways, and yes, he's calling us into that intimate place. He doesn't leave us without tools to be able to understand these things. He doesn't leave us without it. And we have this amazing thing in the scriptures I like to call the language of the spirit. The language of the spirit is a language of symbols, metaphors, and puns, which hopefully you've caught a little bit already through the stories, right? 
Symbols, metaphors, and puns. So, in the Old Testament, we see that God moves, speaks, and symbols, metaphors, and puns in various ways, and I'm going to just speak to a few of them. In Jeremiah 18, 1 to 11, says this, The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. So Jeremiah is before the potter, he's looking at something, and as a result of looking at something, he's given a prophetic word. God is speaking through symbolism, speaking through imagery, in order to share with Jeremiah what it is that he wants to say. And this is what he says. He sees you know, the, the vessel being made, he sees it marred in the hand of the potter, um, and it says this, so he made it again because it was marred into the hand of the potter, he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. And here's what the Lord said about that. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. And he goes on to speak from this symbol about what he wants to do with the house of Israel, which is pretty amazing. God speaks in symbol and in metaphor. And again, if he did it then, he does it now, he does it forever, right? Okay, so then we go to Jeremiah 1, 11 to 15. And now we have God speaking in a pun. So he looks at Jeremiah again and he says, Jeremiah, what do you see? And Jeremiah says, I see the branch of an almond tree. And then the Lord says this, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is performed. Now, I don't know about you, but many times when I saw, when I saw this verse, I had no idea, why does that mean what it means? Why is it that an almond branch means that God is watching over? And it wasn't until I had this teaching that I understood because God is speaking in a pun. Now we don't catch it because for the most part, we don't study the word in the original Hebrew and the original Greek. But when you look at what's happening in the scripture, it sounds something like this. Jeremiah, what do you see? I see a sockhead. And the Lord says, you have seen correctly, for I am soaked to see that my word is performed. Soaked, soaked. Philip Seymour Hoffman, you're going to see more. <laughs> That's why we can do what we can do in looking at puns in Scripture, because if God did it in the Scriptures, he will do it in the dreams that he gives you. Symbols, metaphors, and puns. Now we see symbolism all throughout the word. If you look in the Old Testament, you look in Exodus, look at the specific instruction that's given regarding the color, the structure, the layout of the temple. All of it is important to God and he's communicating things about himself. Then we look at the New Testament and in the New Testament, Jesus does the same thing. Not only, it's not just the Old Testament where we see it, Jesus shows up on the scene. Jesus himself is perfect theology, right? Jesus could argue with all of the scribes. He could have gone head to head with them. And he could have made it very, very difficult. He could have made it mental ascent for us to try to understand the kingdom. But instead, what does he do? He shows up and he says things like, kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. <laughs> he goes to the woman at the well, I am the living water. If you drink of me, you'll never thirst. He's talking to someone else, I am the light of the world. Talking to someone else, hey, you know those nets? Cast them on the other side. <laughs> He's talking about fish, he talks about fig, he talks about trees. All throughout the Bible we see he speaks in symbols and metaphors. So, how do we apply this to our dreams? Dreams are just night parables. 
they're just night parables. They don't have to be hard to understand. When you relate to the Holy Spirit, when you understand that God speaks in symbols, metaphors, and puns, and you ask the Holy Spirit for understanding them, and you embrace that principle, and you're like, you know what, I don't get it, but if I understand this, and I apply this principle to interpreting my dreams with the Holy Spirit, I can begin to understand my dreams. I can begin to understand my dreams. So let's look at a biblical example. I alluded to this one earlier. Judges 7, 9 to 15. If you'd go with me to your Bible. It happened on the same night that the Lord said to Gideon, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you're afraid to go down, go down to the camp with prayer, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pur, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Envision this. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites, all the people of the east, were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts. Just imagine your Gideon looking at this, thinking, I've got to go against that. As a sand by the seashore in multitude. And when Gideon had come, Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. And he said, I've had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent, struck it, so that it fell and overturned, and the tent collapsed, and the companion said this. This is none other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the camp. And so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped, and he was ready to go to battle. So we had this dream. Loaf of bread, tent to the Midianites, The loaf of bread comes, goes into the tent of the Midianites, causes the tent to collapse. What's the interpretation? The Midianites are going to go under the sword of Gideon. Why does it mean that? What did Gideon do for a living? What did Gideon do for a living? He was a thresher of grain. Why do you thresh grain? To make bread. (laughs) To make bread. The loaf of barley bread was symbolic of Gideon. That loaf of barley bread went onto the, temp, you know, onto the camp of the Midianites and caused it to be destroyed. That's why it means that. Now, does that mean that a loaf of barley bread in your dream is always going to be the sort Gideon? No. It was this dream, right? What else do we know bread to mean in the scriptures? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. What else do we know? The word. We also know that it's provision, manna in the desert. So there are many different meanings, but we have symbolic understanding when we look in the scriptures for what God speaks. We can grow in this language. So I wanted to point that out to you because if you look at that passage, hopefully it speaks to you. This is how he interprets. And by the way, if you try to take Freud's way of interpreting dreams, If you try to take Gestalt's way of interpreting dreams, if you try to take Jungian's way of interpreting dreams and you apply those messages to the dreams that we have in Scripture, their ways of doing it, you're not going to get the same thing that God gave. You know what that says? That says that those methods cannot interpret a dream from God. (laughs) It is not the way that God interprets dreams. The way that we receive interpretations is by engaging with the Holy Spirit. Asking the Holy Spirit to help us understand the things that he speaks. So there are two ways in the scripture 
by which we receive interpretations. By revelation and by skill. So in Genesis 40, verse 8, I mentioned this earlier. Two prisoners are in prison with Joseph. And they said, we each have had a dream. And there's no interpreter of it. And Joseph says something very powerful. Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. How amazing would it be you're sitting in a coffee house here in Portland. Someone tells you a dream. They don't know what it means. And you're like, you know what? I know someone who knows how to interpret dreams. <laughs> Interpretations belong to God. Let me see. And you engage the Holy Spirit and you give them an interpretation. But you know what? It's amazing in the scripture because in Daniel 1.17 it says this. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So sometimes when you have dreams, you're going to ask the Holy Spirit and instantaneously he's going to give you a download. And you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I know what it means. You're just going to know. Sometimes, and this is my preferred method of dream interpretation, I'm in a dream and the Holy Spirit's giving me an interpretation as I dream it. On rare occasion, I've had an angel in the dream telling me what it means. I really like that. <laughs> but it doesn't always happen. But in Daniel, we're told that he grew in his understanding. Is understanding that something that you have right away? No. It's something that you grow in. So what does that mean? That means that you, me, everybody in this room, you can grow in your understanding. You can grow in your understanding of how God speaks so that you can come to understand your dreams. And I think that's amazing. So let me give you some practical things. Hopefully you're convinced about paying attention. Yeah? Paying attention to the nightlife. Number one, ask God for dreams. <laughs> Go to bed at night. Ask him to speak to you at night, yeah? Here's the other thing that you want to do. Ask him to help you go to sleep peacefully. So, you know, so many people go to bed watching CSI, Bones, whatever. Not trying to bring any conviction in the room, but, <laughs> you know, we want to focus. I'm not, and I also, too, I don't want to preach any religiosity. It's between you and God what you watch, right? I'm not going to try to tell you what you should do or not do. But what I can say is this, that um, there are things that we see that don't bring us peace. Yeah? And so you want to prepare yourself for sleep at night. You want to have a time that's separate from your day where your heart and your spirit are open to God. And you say, I, I want to give myself to you. And I want this night season to be open to me. And I want to pay attention to what happens. And then, this is not an easy tip to follow, but you want to ask him to wake you up in the morning before your alarm clock. Because your alarm clock jolts you out of your sleep state into your awake state. And often the dream flits away. And the reason why I say this is not an easy tip is because for most of us, that's not the time that we want to wake up. <laughs> it's usually earlier in the morning. But what's amazing about waking up earlier is we have this really precious time between our sleep state and our awake state where we can really engage, our hearts can engage with the Holy Spirit, not just for understanding our dreams, but also just to receive the revelation of God. And finally, you want to record what it is that happens at night. When you, however you record it, you know, I have a journal up here. I realize for most of us, it's going to be speaking our dream into a phone now, right? But when you record it, here's what you're saying to God. You're saying, you know what, God? I value what happens at night. I value that you speak to me. And even if it's a dream that's not from him, what you're saying to God is, 
okay, this just happened, and I want to I record it because I want to engage with you about it. And I want to remember the details of it so that I can really talk to you and understand. The other thing that I want to say is not only are these practical tips and sort of what you can do for preparing, etc., but you want to grow in the language of the Spirit. And the way that you do that is by spending time in the Word. Just spend time in the Word. We have a number of dreams for which we have the interpretation. We have a number of parables for which we have the interpretation. When you read the parables and you read what they mean, you grow in the language of the Spirit. When you read dreams and what they mean, visions and what they mean, you grow in the language of the Spirit. And I want to encourage you, just ask the Lord, how can, tell me where to go. Tell me what passages you want me to study. And would you open up my heart to the ways that you speak? Because as you grow in this language of the Spirit, it's not just dreams that are going to come alive to you. It's all those other forms of revelation the pictures that you see, the billboards that you see that you're like, gosh, I feel like God's talking to me through that. What seem like divine coincidences that you feel like God is talking to you through, that begins to make sense. And I want to bless you in the name of Jesus to be curious. And I want to bless you in the name of Jesus to not take my word for it, but to go to the word and study it for yourself. And I want to bless you in the name of Jesus when you wake up in the morning to just remember your dreams and to have the grace for the discipline to engage with him about it. Would you stand? Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you that you've been with us all night. We thank you for your presence, and we just want to listen to you now. We want to listen to you. Father, I ask that you would come, and would you speak to every single one of us here your heart regarding dreams and dream interpretation.